and we are live for the First Strike Podcast. It's good to be back. Before we start this show, we're going to plug our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. And this week is part one of a Halloween sale that we're doing for select MTG singles, up to 50% off select singles. So go to facefacegames.com, check them out, check them out this week and next week, and see if any of the cards that you want are on sale. But of course, there, there's some, some big news. I got my boys, John, Andy, Elliot in here and uh from from a sales perspective things got a kind of crazy on the monday um pioneer just drove card sales like crazy uh, and uh i i am privy to having the the numbers and it, it was a bonkers monday let's just say shipping was working like crazy today and yesterday um before we jump into pioneer let's touch a bit on what happened this past weekend mythic championship five my man, Alex Hain, made it to day two, but unfortunately, day two didn't go his way. Javier Dominguez, reigning, reigning world champion, ended up taking it down uh, with Gruel. I, I caught a, a bit of uh, this format, but, but Elliot, you watched more than a few rounds. Like, was it an enjoyable watch for you? I thought the production quality was really cool, and as it has been for all of these arena tournaments. Um, I especially liked that you know, one of the things we've mentioned every single time we talk about the MPL sh like weekly broadcast is that you can't see the players' reactions. And I think, you know, just if you go watch any of Javier's rounds, the guys having having all of the ups and downs you can see in his face, which is way more than like you'd normally see during a paper tournament. Uh, and I mean, the rounds that I did watch were really enjoyable, uh, except for the fact that I knew that none of it mattered. And Basically, like the gist of the weekend is that the format doesn't matter anymore, and a really good player won in a field of really good players. <laughs> um, was there anything else that? The, the, I think the the main thing I've been hearing the noise, uh, the negative stuff, is that uh, I'm sure you you saw it on your Twitter feed as well. Is you know the the game was buggy or it was crashing? I assume. It's the case for other games. I'm not that familiar. Let's say I'm not too into the, the League of Legends esports to see if they are able to recover from a game state when an inevitable computer crashes. But uh, did you take anything away with people uh, complaining or being disappointed in, in the software being buggy and forcing players to like play extra matches? I mean, people are going to complain about this type of stuff regardless of the tournament, really. Like this is the same reason why almost every pro tour we get you know, a long Twitter thread about, oh, I got this bad ruling in a game or, you know, so-and-so cheated against me. Like it happens every tournament. And, and you know, obviously Arena is supposed to be a platform where that is not supposed to happen. But the fact that it is happening is not, I don't think it's invalidating this tournament any more than a paper tournament's invalidated because a couple rounds had something go wrong there. Uh, I do, I can say that from all my experience watching other games, it does vary. Games like League of Legends, usually the fix is to completely restart the game. Uh, there's usually, I've never seen it be recovered. Uh, games like Counter-Strike, you can like pause because they're totally round-based. Um, so that's that's a, a game where it is easy to repair in case there is a crash or something like that. But bugs are sort of, you know, I'm a software developer, bugs happen. You know, most of my job is fixing them, and there's an endless stream of more of them at all times. Uh, so, 
you know, is Arena or Moto ever going to be totally bug-free? And will we ever see uh, either have a tournament that has no controversies because of a bug happening? Probably not. Was maybe the status of Arena with a, have a few more crashes than than should be for for a program that you know is being used to have this much money on the line? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, this is something that is only going to improve over time. Likely, they're going to be putting more and more resources into Arena, more and more QA. And what what it sounded like to me was with a lot of these crashes is it, it wasn't really just like card interactions, which is what you may expect to be the issue. Is more like the client itself. So those are those are going to be fixes that you know in a year, you know maybe there's some more bugs introduced when they add more functions, but you know we shouldn't be seeing these again and again and again and again in my eyes. Yeah, as as someone well who's not exercising his degree but i did graduate software engineer so i can relate to everything you you say like definitely bugs and i i would expect as, as someone who programmed that that it would be these new cards and that um you just have this is this window period of time when it comes out and and the mythic championship that enough time for people to be able to have it being tested live by other players to hammer out hammer out all the bugs that's why we see like other games they just stabilize at a certain patch like like I'm just going to mention League because it's like the biggest thing right now. Worlds, it's current the current one that you can play is 9.20, but for Worlds they stabilize at 9.19 uh, before, so to make sure, like or, or also it's good for the players to know to study what the meta is and stuff like that. But it's also a good opportunity for them to be able to test that current version. Um, John, John, and any anything for you guys to take away from from MC5? I mean probably boring for most of us because we were just waiting for what card to be banned, right? Which card? Yeah, it really took away knowing that there's going to be a ban announcement. Like, I'm glad they told everyone, but like, I would usually be like super enthralled with like the deck list and wanting to get like more into it and think about their specific choices. But then with a, a, a tournament like that, that's super metagamed, you're not sure what's good anyway, and now you're not sure what's good, even the decks that didn't play Oko, or not Oko, uh, Field, because they were built with Field in mind as the most dominant deck. So you, like, lose out on a bunch of your data and a bunch of, like, the thinking points while you're watching. <laughs> right. Uh, so, actually, actually, let's start with, with Standard, because it's it's pretty simple. Like, they, they Ian Duke wrote the uh, BNR announcement, Standard Field of the Dead is banned and, and Popper Arkham's Astrolabe is banned. Um, I, I went through the article and what was interesting is like, as usual, there's a lot of early reactions to the results of MC5 because they're looking at it and like a lot of people are like, see, like, you know, if you're given the tools, you're able to fight it or it's too early in the format to be able to, to, to ban this card. Whereas Ian Duke goes in, in depth that you know they were looking at more than just this one tournament that they were looking at all the data that they had, and so what you know did, did you have a reaction to the tournament itself, the results, uh, Andy, and and what do you take away from from Ian Duke's article saying like they looked at everything and then came to this decision? Yeah, like I think a lot of it like comes down from Golos in the or sorry the field of the dead decks in the context of standard are like not too powerful like when it comes down to the games but it, what it does is it invalidates entire strategies completely and it is not fun to play against like 
you it's you can't go over the top by like with a bunch of ground creatures against uh, the field of the dead decks. You can't. You'll never win. And you can't only attack on the ground because you'll never win. So like, while the decks that can compete against Golos because the strategy like lines up well against it are competitive and probably do fine against Golos and like those games are interesting. What it does to the format itself is it just it's too warped around it, even if it's not exactly too powerful powerful like a uh, matchup win rate or something like that yeah I, I remember this reminds me of the same reason like at one point eggs was banned not people until people thought it was the best deck but at one point it wasn't it was just like annoying to play against i think um they got that was one of the reasons they got rid of that because it was just not enjoyable to sit there while your opponent was just calming it took a long time to combo off uh john john are you are you happy with the ban yeah, I think so. And I think uh, R&D really is in a tough spot in terms of balancing, you know, like, like I wish that they were more liberal about banning things before uh, events, uh, such as, you know, the Hogak Summer, for example, and here with Golos. But I also know that it's tough to just, like, I'm generally more of a, you know, let the free market kind of figure it out and try to adjust beforehand. Because, like, at least for Hogak before, you know, like, uh, modern has had a histor history of just adjusting, people adjusting with strategies, and as long as like nothing is oppressively powerful, it's fine. But I think Golos and the Field of the Dead clear, uh, strategies clearly were. So I think it's right here. Now, some people are already jumping to the gun in terms of, you know, uh, it's such a mistake that it, they didn't ban uh, Nissa or uh, Oko and all that. But I, I, do, I do support the uh, decision to just take a wait-and-see approach because, like, Unlike Hogak Modern, uh, like we don't know what this format's going to be like, and Eldraine is literally a one or two week, uh, year, uh, week old uh, format, and you know we're only like theory crafting on how Nissa will ruin the format or how uh, Oko will ruin the format with in uh, Simic Ramp and all that, and so I think I really do uh, appreciate the patience. Technical difficulty, so so hopefully uh, I'm going to be able to stitch that back after, but. Uh, the last thing I heard, John, was uh, that you really appreciate the way they, they carried out their band. So I, I don't know if you can pick it up back from there. Yeah, like I was I was just commenting on the fact that it's like a de delicate balance, right? Because we quote unquote knew that Hogak was too good. We quote unquote knew that uh, Field of the Dead Golos was too good. But um, the, I generally agree with the, uh, the philosophy that the onus is on the players as long as the best deck is not oppressively powerful for us to innovate and adapt and at least in modern like we had a, we we've had a history of being able to do that you know between death shadow and uh infect twins before that uh, to uh, amulet bloom to like uh humans it's like we've all adapted uh, more or less except uh twin twin and uh twin, twin and amulet got banned but that's another story but yeah like i like that they um i hope that they would ban it before the uh, MC, because it, the MC was basically played in a dead format, which made made for an uh, interesting viewing. But I appreciated that they left the Okos and the Nissas alone, to, because the Eldrain format is only one or two weeks old. So really, the onus is on the player base to adapt and you know just let the free market do its thing. So I I like the fact that they banned Go, uh, Field of the Dead. I wish they did it sooner, so the MC wasn't kind of ruined so to speak, but the show is still great, and, you know, I look forward to what the, um, what Eldrain brings to standard. 
and as we uh, find more and more new uh, strategies that are strategies that are not uh, oppressed by uh, field of the dead and goals. Are any of you uh, planning to play planning standard uh, anytime soon? I know Elliot, you you had played uh, the the first preliminary that we held at face face games Montreal. Are you planning to play more? Is is your head at tweaking any standard decks? I'm gonna play exactly one more is the idea, and uh, maybe two or three more if they don't go well, but. <laughs> The plan is to play more standard for sure. I also have a few more standard tournaments before the end of this format. Like, uh, I have a WPNQ final in November as well. So, definitely going to be playing, helping Andy prepare. Where, where's, your head, where's your head at in terms of decks? Uh, my gut reaction is to play a Nissa deck with black for removal to improve the mono red matchups. Um, Obviously, Nissa is a card that people were sort of clamoring to get banned in this BNR update as well, because, you know, the big answer to the Golos decks were, were the Nissa decks, which were seemingly able to keep up. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if you play them almost exactly as is or, or add removal to try to combat those, because, you know, the big, the big thing that Golos did to the format, in my opinion, was that you couldn't play removal, because it's stone dead in that matchup, and like that's why we saw all these ember cleave decks succeeding uh and i'm not sure what exactly that means for the nissa decks because removal is sometimes very good against them and, and wrath of god is sometimes good against them so maybe the nissa decks are just like bad against control even though nissa is good on its own so it's gonna be really interesting i'm gonna play a green deck that's probably a shock to people who know me <laughs> andy are, are you jumping in the prep in the lab well, I'm in the laboratory. <laughs> I love it. I uh, started out with some uh, testing of the old favorites I have to see if they're any good. I tried some Wilderness Reclamation garbage. <laughs> I tried some Fires of Invention stuff. It's garbage. The problem is like the early the early removal for like those decks and the, with the mana just doesn't work. So like, and then you don't get the payoffs with the Faya wishes. So like, if you think that you have to be blue red then what color can you like put that with? You could put white. And I didn't think it was powerful enough. So that's kind of where uh, I went with those decks. And now I'm currently trying uh, like some Salti decks, similar to the vein of what Elliot talked about, where it's just like blue-green Nissa decks with uh, some black removal. Mm, all right, all right. And and I think I, think I heard... In, in in our in our chat that that you're as prepared as ever for the limited format. Uh, yeah, I've done a lot of drafts, and I may not play them all, but I've drafted <laughs> a lot. Just uh, if I don't like my deck, I just drop and start again. <laughs> and uh, sometimes even if I do, I just want to draft again. And I think I have a good handle of the format. Yeah, I think I do. Uh, compared to like, let's say, a couple, I I felt like you were fairly confident. A few weeks ago has things changed have, have things another thing clicked maybe uh just like my like when i look at a pack i know what cards i want to make my deck based on the different archetypes that are there right so i know what i'm looking for and i know like what the ideal decks look like for the archetypes that i want to play and you have and that's that's the dangerous drafter when you have multiple archetypes you can just like move into based on what the packs are giving you so yeah. I'm really happy to hear you're in that spot. No, it's it's went well. I I think whenever I like give a limited format my all, I get pretty good at it. 
And uh, because I'm playing in the Pro Tour, I have decided that this, if uh, no better time than now, to give it my all. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Uh, so I had mentioned Elliot had played at the WFPN uh, first prelim we hosted in Montreal with, I, I believe, uh, roughly 35 players. And I don't know exactly, like, as I was marketing and advertising for this event, uh, I felt the challenge was something I didn't realize at first, like, before it just seemed like, okay, it's just renaming PPTQs and RPTQ. But I found it more challenging in the sense that every store was able to host it in, in a different way. They had some leeway as to how to do it. For example, um, other stores are doing like you could buy in straight to the finals and, and they cap it to how many people you can buy in. And then the prelims seed four each, like the four prelims seed four each into the finals. Whereas we went with more of a 32 player format where everyone had to qualify in. So four tournaments were eight from each prelim would go in. So I think be, because of that, I thought, I felt it was confusing even for me uh, to advertise a WPN prelim, whereas I felt PPTQs people really understood, even though in some ways really similar in the same way. But uh, that's from my perspective as, as someone had to advertise a series. But uh, the funny effect I felt, Elliot, is that you play the first one and let's say, let's say it's like roughly the same amount of players. Um, then the next one, it's like 35 minus eight. And then you keep minusing eight every time eight people qualify. I wonder if there's going to be extra players that come in because they're like, Oh my God, it's a small tournament. So let's join in, but it's going to be an interesting effect. And, and some people joke that the last one might not be even able to fire and that I should attend and like grab seven people on the street and, and qualify for the finals. <laughs> Uh, I think that a lot of people sort of underestimated what the tournament is in itself. Uh, a lot of people have that inclination that it is just like a PPTQ, so maybe they don't want to travel very far for it. But it's actually like a PPTQ that's eight times as easy to qualify at. Uh, and that also feeds into, I guess, a roughly similar qual uh, difficulty RPTQ in the end. So I, I'd be shocked if by the next round of, of WPNQ. So maybe not, you know, in the coming weeks for this uh, WPNQ that we have in November. Um, but, you know, WPNQ is qualifying for PT2, for example. I think a lot of people are going to be really traveling, willing to travel maybe like an hour, hour and a half, just because the value is there in a WPNQ. You have such good odds. When you think, like at, at worst you're one in 32 and if you have an edge over the format or even over the field rather you're even higher than that which is incredible yeah i i could definitely see someone qualifying like even just getting there eventually just playing more than you know 30 qualifying and playing more than 32 of them the one thing lingering in my mind and if listeners are are playing in these and i would like some input because as a wpn premium store i think we had again a lot of leeway how do we want to run this whether we we didn't even have to host prelims, I think. I think we could have just hosted as its own thing, one big event, and we went the prelim route to, to test things, test the waters. And, uh, yeah, we're going to see what happens, of course, collect the data from these four preliminary events and the finals, see the player satisfaction, etc. But I do wonder if it was just better to host one big event, hype it up more, uh, instead of just these prelims that, that people were confused about. But maybe come the second time these roll around people know what they are and are more ready to jump in because you know like 30-ish people again eight of you qualify 
if you run bad, go to the next, and maybe there's just 20-ish of you, and, and seems seems like you should definitely give it a try. And then you enter a tough field, but 1 out of 32, still a good shot, still a good day to, to run good. I think it's it's four rounds, and then and then win top eight, so not too bad. Okay, so so let's get straight to the big news. Actually, got to plug, got to remember to plug that there's two face-to-face games, .com Modern Opens this weekend, one in Quebec City, one in Hamilton. Uh, all the info is on f2fseries.facefacegames.com. And in Hamilton, Face to Face Games Toronto is hosting a free Pioneer tournament at 2 p.m. where you can grab some free uh, store credit if you uh, achieve a certain record. So that's exciting. They're, they're excited to really push the format. They were, you know, Toronto's always hyped about new formats. And they were the ones that, that pushed, honestly, pushed Frontier uh, as much as they could and, and got people at the local game store to play it. And now it's no surprise that they're going to push Pioneer. And with the backing of Wizards, I think Pioneer is going to is obviously here to stay. And uh, that's this week, Blake Rasmussen, the guy who, who usually ships me the exclusive spoilers that we get for, for any upcoming sets. He wrote an article called Announcing the, the Pioneer Format. Uh, Pioneer, a new non-rotating format featuring cards from Return of Ravnica and Forward, is coming to tabletop and Magic Online events very soon. Uh, why Why new format? Why now? And where and when will you be able to play it? Excellent questions all. So he answers all of this uh, in the article. But of course, uh, to sum it up, felt like modern. There's like a huge gap. It's now such a huge set. It's hard for, for people to get into because it, it dates back. The oldest modern set came, come, came out in 2003, 16 years ago. And now they're trying to come up with something that is a little bit easier to get to which is Pioneer, which starts at Return to Ravnica. Big, I mean, huge news. I mean, I think it's it's great because the Twitter excitement uh, is off the, off the charts. And of course, for someone like John, who likes to play with many toys in the lab, it's been exciting to see him uh, be excited by all these different deck lists and, and in our private chat, um, you know, po- copying and pasting different tweets of, of people, different cards, combinations. So John... Your reaction? Are are you really excited? Um. Well, I feel I feel two 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 ways. I think like I feel increasingly displaced, you know, because my original love was like faithless leading strategies in modern, and that got banned. And uh, Gristlebrand is unplayable. Dredge is somewhat not playable. So modern, I was already like kind of lost, you know. I was finally doing a bit uh, a a bit better with neoform and whatnot and now you know modern might be a death format because of this so uh, in that regard you know it's just stop stop changing you know but pioneer as an idea sounds great uh no fetches like restricting the the card pool and just like like it, it's such an outlet for creativity and you know just like they're clearly supporting this uh a lot by having these like weekly ptqs uh, on fridays of all days um uh, on on November, as well as having Pioneer uh, GPs, like they're clearly very serious about supporting this format, which is great. And it seems like an interesting format, you know. Um, there's still a lot of powerful cards, but you know the the all the obnoxious ones basically are gone, like Blood Moon, Tron Lands, etc. So um, I, I think it's a very exciting time to be a competitive or semi-competitive Magic player. Um, like I've been saying in the chat, like I've never seen twi- uh, Magic Twitter be this vibrant, you know, like ever since the announcement, people are just like bring up a storm. People are saying like, oh, I can hardly work because I have so many great ideas and 
you know, some are gonna look silly at the end, and some are gonna look like genius and uh, look like look very genius, and that's fine. And yeah, it's just like I can't, I haven't really seen in my two years of playing like the community be this excited about an announcement. So yeah, like I'm disappointed that Modern may be taking a back seat, given that I've uh, sunk so much time into it, and I find the degeneracy of that format fun. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this format and see where it goes. But you know, like if if it devolves into a mid-range fest now uh, with like Felidar Guardian and Marvel and all the other combos being banned, then I'm gonna be less excited. But we'll see. <laughs> Are there any early decks that you that you really wanna play a lot in this early going? Yeah. So my inclination for week one and two, while people brew up their five color abomination good stuff here's the let's play 20 turns a game type of mid-range and control decks i'm going to be or the combo decks I'm, i want to be punishing them with a, a burn or a sly more creature heavy like monorip aggro type uh decks i think that's going to be one of the best decks in um in the um in the first few weeks and after that something a bit more unfair like just the ascendancy kind of caught my eyes or uh as a Elliot was talking about uh, Nexus, kind of like a big man, big mana, um, invalidate everyone, everything that you're doing type of uh, inevitable, in, inevitable combo. So uh, burn and sly in the first few weeks and something more unfair that's more resilient or that's faster than like the default combo, which is a copycat and marble. So maybe just ascendancy. That's where my eyes are at. Andy, I, I imagine you're too busy to prepare for your uh for your tournament but uh is your head already spinning as to what to play in pioneer well the first thing i started to think of is i was like uh wow there's like five different broken combo decks that like were in standard before that are like legal in this and i was like they sound really good <laughs> i don't know it's it's kind of cool that with uh, this, they're giving it the chance to like hey everyone build the most busted stuff possible and we'll ban it <laughs> It's kind of a weird approach compared to modern, which just like pre-banned a bunch of stuff, some of it that needed to be, some of it didn't need to be. So uh, I don't know. It seems kind of interesting. I like Rally is one of my favorite decks ever. Collected Company, one of my favorite cards. So it'd be cool to get to play that kind of stuff again. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's just like all the combo decks are super busted for now, at least. <laughs> Yeah, I, I never imagined I, I might be able to play. I, I don't know how playable it is, but to play to be able to play Smuggler's Copter again would be. I mean, it was it was not fun for my opponents at, in standard at the time. It was clearly the best deck. Um, Elliot, where, where's your head at when it comes to this format? Because I think I think you're working with. I don't know which cabal you're working with, but you're working with some cabal. As many cabals as I can get my fingers in. Uh, I've said before on the podcast that one of my favorite times when it comes to magic is uh, a fresh standard rotation, uh, especially when there's not an obvious port over because just like having to, to think about like all the possible cards and all the possible combinations and brute decks, that's my favorite time in magic. So this is like Christmas to me. Um, and, you know, I'm not like super invested in, in any like immediate tournaments. Like maybe I'll play a challenge. Maybe I'd like can't play the Friday PTQ that starts at noon, but um, I'm definitely like taking in as much as I can from, from what people are putting online. And, and it's really interesting to me. Uh, I think that like the biggest two takeaways is that one, 
Sam Black said it perfectly, which is right now in the format, your goal should be to, to pick a card that you think has the potential to get banned and then prove prove it and get it banned. Because, you know, as Andy alluded to, one of the things they mentioned was that the only cards they're starting out with banned are the fetch lands because they don't they don't like them. Totally reasonable. And then after that, it's up to us to to show them what's broken and they'll ban it leading up to you know, they announced that this is a pro tour format, so they're obviously wanting it to be fun and competitive. Uh, and they're just going to be banning things that people do too good with or do too well with. Um, so th I think that should be like your first axis of when you're building a deck. Uh, and also the second thing is for your consideration, Pro Tour Philadelphia was the first modern pro tour right after they announced the, the they basically created the format for that pro tour and even had initial bannings. And in the top eight, seven of the eight decks were combo decks. The only deck in the top eight that was not a combo deck was called Countercat, and it played Hate Bears and Counterspells. So like, if that gives you an inclination of what the possibilities are for this format, I think in the early, the early goings of the format, I think if you're not playing a combo deck, if you're not playing something busted, you're doing it fundamentally wrong. There's, you know, this is five years plus of, of of standard cards that you know there's already five or six combo decks that exist in that time that were very powerful you know rally's one of the best standard decks of all time four colors to healy one of the best standard decks of all time even going back to decks with like jason mind sculptor and, and stoneforge mystic uh you know i think that rally and rally marvel copycat they're all better than those so those are the obvious starting points to me is, is existing standard decks that were busted. And there's also a lot of really interesting things that, you know, break the boundaries of, of past standard formats. Usually at any given time at standard, we have only a few cards that are good at fueling and using the graveyard, but now we have five years of cards that are good at fueling the graveyard. We have Seder Wayfinder and Stitcher Supplier and Merfolk Seeker Keeper. So if all of a sudden you're putting a bunch of cards in your graveyard, what, What's good at using that? Well, there's Rally the Ancestors, there's Splendid Reclamation. So there, uh, there's just so many, you know, angles of attack of like bust things you can be doing, and the hate cards aren't that good. We have Deafening Silence. That's a new one that is potentially uh, playable in this format. You know, when you think of it as like a, a mega standard, Deafening Silence is not what I would think of as a standard playable card, but it's you know, think of it as modern. Uh, on the other hand, we also have like Leyline of the Void. If you want to play a graveyard deck, you're going to have to combat that card. So I think those are... Step one is building a combo deck that gets around the hate. And I think the most obvious one is Copycat. Just play Copycat week one. <laughs> Man, that's good. Um, and, and now I'm thinking like at the store level, this is going to be supported. And uh, it's going to be interesting how to fit, like even face-to-face -face games, Montreal, again, people, um, you know, when I was a college kid or whatever, I would just assume that weekends are the most popular days, but, but I was wrong, as, as has been shown, where the people that show up to play, it's just a different crowd. People just like to finish work and go to the store and play modern or whatever. That's why M Monday Night Modern is so popular. And then we have Tuesday Legacy. And now we have draft days, we have commander, we have standard. And now it's like try to fit legacy. I mean, try to fit pioneer in that whole schedule. You can actually have like a decent magic crowd every weekday, which is kind of absurd. 
Except to be honest, like standard is has been str- struggling in terms of like weekly weekday attendance, and uh, we're I'm it's probably easy to predict for me or to bet on that that Pioneer is going to trumpet, and just just these eternal formats tend to be more popular, uh, at least at least with the local Montreal scene, and, and everyone loves modern, so I I don't think it only applies to Montreal. Moving from that, um, John, John, while, while we have you, I got eight minutes with you left. Um, we were discussing, me and you, about like privately about like some Twitter, the negative Twitter feedback from Pioneer was that a lot of people were complaining that it wasn't part of Arena and they wished they could test it on Arena, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, so what's your take on, on all that? Just to, uh, I guess, share part of our conversation with our First Strike audience. Well, first of all, I think like, I guess it's valid to have these complaints. You know, it's like, oh, why are you like bifurcating the market for uh, online magic? Like, why don't you have, uh, why don't you have um, like eternal formats like modern or uh, modern or what is it called, pioneer uh, on arena, for example? It's like you're alienating a certain uh, portion of portion of the populace. And like, while there's a good point, like I, one, I think like you really need to consider the programming and, and the resource allocation at Watsi and the programming constraints and all that. And I would imagine like you guys are the comp uh, comp side or the engineering grads, so like you tell me, but I would imagine the uh, the work of just like programming all the card info from Ixalan and backwards to Return to Ravnica, for example, it's gonna be quite a challenge. And frankly, it might not be worthwhile uh, in terms of cost benefit uh, basis for Watsi, so I understand where they're coming from. Like I wasn't surprised at all that it's it's not coming to arena. Uh, arena. The other thing is like Wizards already has a passable functioning platform for Eternal formats in Magic Online. However much you want to complain about uh, mat- uh, bugs or you know just like the horrible price split <laughs> on Magic Online, people still play it because we're loyal to a fault. So I, I didn't see any reasons for uh, Watsi to change their ethos and just, you know, move Arena to, uh, sorry, move uh, Pioneer to Arena, for example. I, I think it was, it would have been unwise and impractical to do so. So while I get where they're coming from, I think it's pretty unreasonable to uh, continue complaining about this. That's just uh, my two uh, my two cents. Yeah, for, for me, I'm just curious, and and we've talked about this uh, on, the, on the show on previous episodes, but, but... I, I think it's just a fascinating topic uh, because we've seen again Riot announce Mobile League, which is going to be League, but changed. Like you can't, it's not crossplay, and you you can only play with people via mobile. So it's it's they've tweaked it so that they've optimized it for mobile, and and it it is a question of mine where, where is Magic ever going to be mobile as we know it, or would they have to change it or twist it so much? So that it is a mobile, so it is optimized for mobile, and and same like with arena, it just felt like arena is made a standalone thing to be able to showcase it as an esport, and that's why instead of uh, we we uh, this is something we mentioned on the show again uh, in other sports or or in league or other games, you see you know these exciting moments, but in Magic there isn't that. There's like these top deck moments that make people go ah, but visually that's what they have to. They went with Arena these over the top animations where a lot of these legendary creatures or spells just have this like crazy effect, so that the casual viewer can just watch this and maybe get blown away 
by like a giant dragon or something like that. And and I I just wish I was a fly on a wall. I just want to know the path that they have planned for all of these platforms. And uh, just people think that they're just going to maybe eventually, you know, those people that think they'll can paper magic at some point and just can everything and just go with arena. I, I don't see it. I'm just, I'm just super fascinated. I'm just really curious what's going to happen. Um, Elliot, I don't know if you have any guesses. I think they're just going to maintain everything. That's my take. But <laughs> I was actually scrolling through the history of our chat just now to find it, but I did find like, they have a mobile magic game. It's like mega dumbed down. And yeah. it's like, it looks closer to Hearthstone than anything magic, but it has like the magic IP. Uh, and so I don't know if they're going to like, if they would just ax that and have a new mobile magic game that's closer to the real thing. But as it stands, like, can you imagine having 50 creatures in play and trying <laughs> <Yeah>. to attack? <laughs> Or, or like even just like on your little phone screen you, you're showing like your board and theirs and there's like at least two like two rows per side for lands and creatures like that just sounds awful <laughs> so magic you know god bless richard garfield 1995 did not make magic for the iphone screen and that's just the way it goes sometimes yeah and even in so one other point that was uh, interesting is like in the league announcement as to mobile, the reasoning, their, their motivation to make it was that they were saying that people there's dedicated desktop league players and they couldn't get their casual friends on board because games, it would be too hard to pick up or games will last too long. And they felt like a mobile experience is something that you're on the go. You're just trying to finish. That's why a lot of us uh, play Hearthstone or Shadow Wars or all of these games are very similar because you can just play, play it on the bus, get a quick game in and we can't necessarily say that about every type of magic match, especially if you're like in some long Golos mirror. So yeah, that's why it's, I, I don't, I wish I knew what the strategy, what they, they have in mind. Like, are they going to change the rules or something so that it's like better for mobile? Like, I just don't see them porting the game as we know it, love the exact same game to the mobile experience because of, like you mentioned, uh, all these uh, different issues. I mean, it would work for like, a good tablet size but i just like on the phone like i don't see it and um i just wish that i guess like like riot with all their games that they looked like they were branded by the same company and and i think that's the only thing like magic online lots of interface aspects of it the bugs never bugged me i i still enjoy playing with it but it it just seems so disconnected with like how the arena team looks if i don't know if the arena team could just paint a new you know, just give it a new paint job, the, new empty, empty, the Magic Online team, to make it look like uh, maybe they don't want it to look the same. So that's really distinct, but that, that it comes from the same brand, same flavor. I, that's, I would love to see that, but that, that's about it for me. They uh, need to bring back the poker tables for drafts. Oh, I love just that. Go, take, go backwards. <laughs> I love that. I have, I have fond memories of that, just looking at all these, all these Wait, different what? avatars. Oh no, John is too new school. <laughs> they used to have a, a screen for joining drafts where it had like poker tables and you'd have the avatar sitting down for when there's an open seat. Yeah. Even like 1v1s, it's just like you're, oh, I'll play against this pile of bones. Oh yeah, at one point, even in tournament practice, it would be like 
a visual room of actual tables, right? Physical, like, well, I'll play against this werewolf. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's how it was, John. <laughs> what we've really uncovered is that we need, we need the future of magic to be a crossover of MTGO and Second Life. <laughs> where you could just like make a really cool house and then build your modern deck and go meet up with like a a, a real life Jace the Mind Sculptor in Second Life to, to play Magic against. All right, these are really gimmicky, but I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I'm I'm a fan of these types of gimmicks. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. I know you got to go, John. So so final thoughts and and you can go. Yeah, uh, I think Pioneer is a great idea. I hope it doesn't bifurcate the player base between Modern and uh, Modern and Pioneer. I, I feel like it might be, it might have a little bit of an effect, but people who play Modern love Modern, so and people are not gonna, I think, abandon their years of play experience that easily. So I think that both formats can thrive, and uh, this is a great time for uh, Brewers. Uh, and as Elias said, like what Sam Black said is generally like very true, right? Like your job is to break it. Like if you're playing competitively, like if you're playing, if you're brewing for fun, then you know, brew up your five color rally or you know like five color gender, whatever you want, Siege Rhino, uh, Eldrazi Displacer combo, uh, whatever. But like if you want to really succeed in Pioneer, uh, especially in the first few weeks, like I really recommend like trying to come up with like the best version of Burn or Sly or uh, turn three combo deck, which I I don't think you can have uh, reasonably uh, reasonably at the moment. But you know I, the, the the announcement was a few days ago, so and there's a lot of smart people working working on this. So uh, good luck to everyone out there. All right, thanks, John. Thanks for always being in. Final nub. Of course, we're gonna keep our listeners and fans aware of of his anything that comes out from his lab of Pi- where is Pioneer Modern. Anything to generate, we'll get it from John. The uh, the unpharaoh. Is that is that his new nickname? That's the yeah. new nickname. It's perfect. I was I kept thinking like the god of the graveyard, the king of the unfair, and then I thought of the unpharaoh. <laughs> the unpharaoh. <laughs> I love it. I think I think I guess that does it for tonight. I'm gonna do some possibly some some extra content um, with maybe Shaheen with maybe Medina later on tonight, and then and then jam it all together later so um look out for that and uh i guess until i guess for now uh, we'll be done and then we'll be checking out the nba games and uh seeing peace so talk to you all next time